Thank you for joining me on Methodist Daily Prayer. My name is Richard Hall, a Methodist minister in Shrewsbury in England. Um, this is a, a change from the usual. So far I've recorded um, the liturgy of morning prayer. Um, since this is a Sunday, I thought I'd do something slightly different. Um, and uh, we'll have the gospel, part of the gospel reading set for today, Lent 4. And then I'll, there'll be a, a brief reflection on, on that. Um, I may record evening prayer for this evening as well, um, but well, I, I make no, I make no promises. It's good to be with you. Um, I hope that uh, I hope that this is in some way helpful. In these difficult times, we remember that the the life of the church goes on even though many of our buildings have had to close. Worship and prayer and fellowship belong to the people of God. Thank you again for joining me. Let us pray. Lord our God, eternal and wonderful, holy to be trusted, you give life to all, you help those who come to you, and give hope to those who call on you. Set our hearts and minds at peace, that we may bring our prayers to you with confidence and joy. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. I'm going to share the first part of the Gospel reading set for today, Lent 4, from John chapter 9, A Man Born Blind. As Jesus walked along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Teacher, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned. He was born blind so that God's works might be revealed in him. We must, we must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said this, he spat on the ground and made mud with the saliva and spread the mud on the man's eyes, saying to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. And he went and washed, and came back able to see. The neighbours and those who had seen him before as a beggar began to ask, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some were saying, It is he. Others were saying, No, but it is someone like him. He kept saying, I am the man. But they kept asking him, Then how were your eyes opened? He answered, The man called Jesus made mud, spread it on my eyes and said to me, Go to Siloam and wash. Then I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, Where is he? He said, I don't know. Thanks be to God for his word. This is one of the strangest of the miracle stories, at least to my mind. But at its heart is not the miracle itself, but the question that the disciples ask Jesus. Effectively, they're saying, whose fault is it that this man's blind? What has he done to deserve it? Did he sin or did his parents bring it down upon him? And the way that Jesus answered 
directs the disciples and us away from any kind of scorekeeping, away from blame. Instead, Jesus says to them, look, that's the wrong question. The point is not whose fault is it, but what are we going to do? We must, we must work the works of him who sent me while it is day, he says. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. So the question is not who's to blame, but what will I do? How will I respond to this man's situation? And then he goes on, as we know, to heal the man. And there's an immediate con uh, controversy that follows. First, the man's neighbours argue among themselves whether he's re whether this was really the man born blind or not. And then, as the story unfolds, you have to read it for yourself if, uh, in the rest of the chapter, we find the, the Pharisees um, weighing in and getting themselves all tied up in knots about whether it was legitimate for, um, for Jesus to heal the man or not. It's very tempting for us in these in these trying times to ask questions about who's who's to blame, whose fault is it, what have we done to deserve it, why why this why this situation, why now, why us? Where is God in all this? And for me, the answer that Jesus gave to his disciples back then is the same answer that he gives us now. We need to turn away from scorekeeping and blaming and shaming others and instead ask, in these circumstances, at this time, what is the calling of God's people? How do we respond to, the, to these difficult circumstances that we're in? I know that some are troubled by the church's decision to close our buildings and for the time being to cease public worship. But I want to suggest that this is in fact an act of kindness, an act of grace. By doing what we can to limit the spread of this dreadful virus, we're acting to protect our community, acting in the best interests of the vulnerable and the weak, which is exactly what Jesus would have us do. Ironically, by not, by not turning up to church and worshipping, we're giving the best possible praise to God. It's so easy to be uh, to be tied down by what we've always done, to believe that what's gone before must be what's always best and appropriate. But at this time, I believe it really is best that God's people continue to worship for sure, but worship apart from one another and yet still together. We are indeed God's people. He calls us as his disciples and we follow him to the best of our ability in these troubled and troubling times. 
Let us pray. Help us, O God, to hear your voice above the clamour of our fear. Free us from despair. Strengthen us in faith. And guide us in your way. May our lives be a beacon of hope to all those around us. In the name of Jesus. Amen. May the blessing of God, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit be with us and remain with us always. Amen.